One of my seminary professors shared with our class an experience that she had as she was defending life. She went to a protest on, on behalf of the unborn and was praying and spending time. There happened to also be a counter-protest taking place as well. And there wasn't any violence, even though the two groups disagreed with each other over the issue. But after the protest was over, she was going back to her car, and uh, one of the counter-protesters was on their way back to their vehicle as well. And she turned to this other woman and said, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And she was shocked. Like, why would you do that? And so she said, well, it's kind of cold out. I thought it would be nice if you had a warm cup of coffee, and uh, that way you'd be a little better off. This other woman was confused, suspicious, but agreed. And so the two women went together to a local coffee shop. And while they didn't talk about the issue of abortion, they did talk about their lives in general. And they enjoyed each other's company briefly, and then they went their separate ways. Now, I don't know how long it was later, maybe months, maybe a couple years, but the two women came across each other again. And this time, the other woman was on the side of pro-life, much to the shock of my future seminary professor, who asked her, well, what changed your mind? What caused you to, to be on this side? And she said, well, it was actually you. Because I had always assumed that pro-lifers were self-righteous and didn't actually care about women or other people. But you bought me a cup of coffee. You treated me like a fellow human being. So basically, because she had shown her love, there was suddenly this openness. And so this woman who was once opposed to the pro-life position, having experienced that love, realized, well, pro-lifers must be different than I thought, and decided for herself to investigate, well, what do they say about themselves? What do they believe and why do they believe it? So she did her own research, and she came to the conclusion that uh, she was on the wrong side. And so she switched sides and was now on the side of life. And so we can see conversion taking place through a position of love. Having encountered that love, there's then an openness to what the other side has to say. And so that's an important thing for us to know. That when we come across other people, people who may be unsure, people who may be uncertain, people who may be opposed to us, if we want to help them to go in the right direction, they have to know that they're loved. Because they're not going to care what we know until they know that we care. And I bring this up because this is what we see in our gospel passage. Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. And tax collectors were hated by their own people because tax collectors were collaborating with the Roman Empire, who was oppressing the Jewish people. So if a Jew was collecting money for the Roman Empire, then they're setting themselves up to be the enemy. And this wasn't just any tax collector. This is the chief tax collector, the chief of the traitors. And yet he had this desire to be able to see Jesus. And when he couldn't, because he was too short, he humbled himself. I mean, imagine someone who's very wealthy and very well-off and well-respected 
at least by some circles, hated by others, who decides to climb a tree like he was just a little boy. I mean, that would be perhaps a hilarious sight. And yet, when Jesus comes and he sees him, he doesn't give him a lecture about his sins. He says to him, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. He showed him love. And other people grumbled about this. Other people were upset because to spend time with a sinner seems to suggest that you agree with the sin. But Jesus wasn't supporting him in his sin, but he was loving him as a human being. And so we see that there's a conversion that takes place in Zacchaeus. Because he says to Jesus, Behold, half my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have exhorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. We see this conversion. Why would he be such a rich man unless he had a love of money, unless he was a greedy person? And yet now, now that he's encountered Jesus, now that he's encountered love, he's going to give away half of what he has. And anyone that he's cheated, which was a common practice of tax collectors to collect more than they need and then keep the extra for themselves, he's going to give them four times over what he had stolen, what he had taken that he shouldn't have collected. So we see this tremendous and awesome conversion, and Jesus confirms the fact that there's a conversion taking place by saying, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. So we see that love can bring about conversion. It can open that door to the possibility of someone recognizing truth, our Lord, recognizing what's most important, recognizing love himself through our actions, through our expressions of how we share that love of God with others. That's not to say that there aren't times where we need to make a stand, where we need to explain ourselves or our positions. There certainly are times for that, but every occasion is not necessarily that time. And so we need prudence. We need the Holy Spirit to come to us. We need him to reveal to us, okay, what is the proper and appro- a proper approach for this particular situation? Is this the time to make explicit what is true, good, and holy? Or is this a time to simply love? It can be a difficult situation to figure out in our own lives for those who have fallen away. Perhaps we've shared with them the truths of the faith and Maybe it's a family member, maybe son or daughter, maybe aunt or uncle or parent. And we want them to come back to the Lord. We want them to be in a state of grace. We want them to be with Jesus. But that doesn't mean every time we see them, we have to say the same thing that we've already told them. Perhaps what they really need is just to experience the love of God through us. And sometimes we may wonder, well, why is it that God allows people who are doing terrible things to continue to do those terrible things. We heard about one explanation for that in our first reading. At the very end of our first reading, we heard that God rebukes or he warns little by little. And he doesn't just come hard and fierce and pound the truth into someone. That's not the typical way he does things. And why is that? Because he loves everyone. And he wants to draw everyone to himself. And conversion, little by little, 
can often be much more effective than trying to do it in one big step. I'm also reminded of the story of Abby Johnson and how in her own life, she was the director of a Planned Parenthood abortion clinic, and yet her family was pro-life. And they were loving her, even though they disagreed with her. She knew about the disagreement, but she was also experiencing the love of her family. And little by little, the Lord was opening her up more and more to the truth of what she was doing and how bad it really was. Until finally, she was converted. And now she is an advocate for the pro-life cause. And so we see in action the very principles we find in our scriptures. That we can help convert other people through love, little by little. That we don't have to always and everywhere in each situation explicitly, fiercely present the truth. That's not to say that we shouldn't. There are times where we do need those explanations. For example, the woman who met my seminary professor, if she wasn't able to find those explanations, those arguments for the pro-life cause, she wouldn't have been convinced and converted. So somebody, somewhere, at some time, had to say these things. But there are times and situations where we simply need to love and let the love speak for us. Let the grace of God bring about a conversion, little by little. So let us pray now for those who need a deeper conversion, a drawing closer to the Lord, as we prepare to meet him in the most holy Eucharist. In our gospel passage, Jesus shows us to be loving to those who are sinners to help bring about their conversion. In another place in sacred scripture, in other places, there is a clear different approach that Jesus takes of proclaiming the truth in love, being more direct and explicit. And while he is God and he is perfect, we are not. And so we need to be able to grow in the virtue of prudence and be docile to the Holy Spirit to know which method is best for the given circumstances we find ourselves in. Sometimes we may need to speak the truth in love and be explicit about what is right and what is wrong. And sometimes, like in our gospel passage today, we need to simply express love and let love bring about that conversion of the other people to the truth so that they may one day be with God forever in heaven. So this week, let us spend some time presenting to the Lord in prayer all of those who we know are in need of God's loving mercy and conversion and express love to them to help them in their journey back to God.